Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 12 tonight. 1 Chronicles chapter number 12, and I want to try to be a help to you spiritually, challenge your heart, and since we're here on Fireball Fridays, I'd love to see you fired up when we leave this place tonight, amen? And uh, so I want to give you a few things if God would help us out of this passage of Scripture. We find here some of uh, David's mighty men talked about, and uh, there's a description given to us in verse number 8. That's where I want to draw my text uh, uh, this evening. Uh, but before I read my text, I want to share something with you. And it's a little different. Normally I would read my text and give an introduction. But I want to share something with you before we read our text. And uh, something that God has personally been dealing with me about this year. And dealing with my heart about this year. I think about Paul. You know, Paul made the statement when he got down to the end of his life. He said, I've fought a good fight. And I've kept the faith, and uh, but I want you to understand what he did not say. He did not say, I've won a good war, but he said, I've fought a good fight, and that tells me that there's an, a continual engagement in the life of Paul. It's something that takes place every day when he gets up, uh, he engages in the battle. Now, for me, in many, many years of my Christian life, I have dealt with a misconception. I'm going to share that with you. And that is the misconception that if I do what I'm supposed to do, that I will reach some level of spiritual maturity that will exempt me from the battle. If I read my Bible, if I pray, if I seek the face of God, if I, I do what I know I'm supposed to do as a Christian, that somehow I will reach this level of spiritual maturity and I'm now exempt from the battle. And I'll give you an explanation. You get up, you read your Bible, you pray, you study, you seek God's face, and you go about your day, and all of a sudden, you find yourself in the midst of spiritual warfare. What's the first thing we do? Well, we read, I read my Bible this morning. Why in the world am I facing this? Why in the world am I dealing with this? Why in the world is this temptation? Because I did what I'm supposed to do. But may I say to you uh, this afternoon, tonight, uh, may I say to you that the more you train your mind spiritually, the harder and the more intense the battle is going to be. I thought about our military as God began to deal with my heart and He began to speak to my heart about this thought and He uh, began to deal with me about the truth that if I prepare myself, it should be to prepare for battle, not to exempt myself from it. I thought about our military, our highest trained military. We think about our Green Berets or our Navy SEALs or our Special Forces. They don't train the way they train so they're exempt from the battle. But they train the way they train because they are expected to encounter the most intense warfare of all military. Can I say to you tonight, church, that you and I, we are called to warfare. 
You and I are going to face some spiritual warfare. And Paul said it's a good fight that we're in. It ain't nothing to be scared of. It ain't nothing to be afraid of. But it's something that we can accept and understand that we're going to prepare ourselves for battle and we're going to be a soldier of the king and the cross of Calvary. And so it's important that we understand that I do believe. So having said that, let's stand. That's my introduction. And let's go to our text in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 8. Here's what the Bible said. And of the Gadites there separated themselves unto David into the hold to the wilderness men of might and men of war fit for the battle that could handle shield and butler whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as the rows upon the mountains. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we love you. Uh, tonight, Lord, we thank you for this privilege. God, I pray now that you would illuminate my heart and mind. And God, you'd give me strength. And God, you'd give me clarity. God, would you help me to preach, God? And I pray you'd help me to convey the thought the way you put it on my heart. And God, Lord, you'd help your people tonight. And you'd fire us up for you. And make us God's soldiers of the cross. God, like we never had before, we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Uh, here in the book of, of uh, uh, First Chronicles that uh, we see some of uh, David's mighty men uh, uh, described to us very distinctly. And in this verse, in verse number 8, there's some things uh, that I believe you and I uh, can apply to our lives uh, that will change us if we can grasp it. I want us to notice uh, just a few things uh, uh, here about uh, these men. First, we understand uh, that they are Gadites. These men are Gadites. They were of the tribe of Gad. These men were blessed of God. Uh, they were a blessed tribe. We understand that Moses, before he died, blessed them, saying, Deuteronomy 33, and of Gad, he said, Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad. He dwelleth as a lion and teareth the arm with the crown of the head. And so we see that they're a blessed tribe of the tribe of Gad. And we see here something special in this passage of Scripture when we find some men who have decided that we are going to serve the king. But what I want you to understand is tribe, the tribe of Gad had a problem. The tribe of Gad decided that as a whole they would live on the edge of God's full potential. They lived over on the, uh, they had settled over on the, the eastern border of the Jordan River. And they had chosen to live outside of Canaan's land. Their tribe was a tribe that had settled for less than God's best. Even in the New Testament we understand that Jesus was bid to depart out of the land of the Gadarenes. They didn't want him there. All the life of the tribe of Gad, they wanted to live on the edge of what God wanted and they didn't want any more. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to understand. It does not matter what your family decides to do. It does not matter where your family decides to live. 
It doesn't matter who your mom and daddy is. It doesn't matter who your granddaddy and your grandma is. It doesn't matter how you were raised. You may be sitting here tonight and you may say, Preacher, you don't understand. I grew up in a house where we attended church on Sunday morning and mom and daddy lived like the devil Monday through Saturday and it just causes something in my mind and it's really hard for me to ever serve God. Can I say to you, despite the family that these men grew up in, they said, you know what we're going to do? We know our family's over there on the edge of the Jordan River, and they don't want to go into Canaan's land. But what we're going to do, we're going to serve the king, and we're going we're to put our armor on, and we're going to do what he wants us to do, despite of what else our family has decided. So we see they had a problem, but in the midst of that, we find there's no respect or person with God. God can, God can use you just as sure as you're breathing His good air. God can put you in a position of power and anointing. It doesn't matter what your family looks like. It doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter where you came from. You can be a king. Uh, you can be a soldier of the king tonight. Uh, you can serve Him. And God will use you in the work of God. They had a problem, but we see they overcame that. They were of the tribe of Gad. But I'd have you to understand, I would have you to understand that there's some things that it's going to take in order for you and I to be a soldier of the king. In order to be a soldier, there's a process. In order to be in the battle, there's some things that's got to take place to prepare us. And, the, and many, many, time, many times in, in, in training, uh, and I know uh, many of you probably already know what I do for a living, but I'm in law enforcement. But they don't just give you a gun and a badge and say, go get them, boys. But there's a process that takes place to prepare you for what could come. So here in our text, I want to give you just a few things that I believe prepared these men. First, I want you to understand that they were faced with the wilderness. The Bible says that if God had separated themselves into David into the hold, to the wilderness they were faced with the wilderness you understand that Joseph's direction was changed in the wilderness as his brethren would cast him into that pit we understand that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness John was prepared to be the forerunner of Christ in the wilderness and the Bible tells us that his ministry started in the wilderness we understand in Genesis chapter number six that there's a lady by the name of Hagar she finds herself in a place where it seems all hope has vanished in the wilderness. In Genesis 6 and verse number 13, we understand that the wilderness became a place where God saw her. Can I say to you, the wilderness experience in your life is required if you're going to be a soldier of the king. And the wilderness experience in your life is a place where God sees and is watching you. You remember when Job faced that trial and he faced that situation where he lost everything that he had. He said, I got to a place, Job said, I got to a place where I couldn't see God nowhere. He said, I was looking. He said, I looked in front and back and up and down and all around. And he said, but here's something that I know. My God sees me. Can I say to you, if you're going to be a soldier of the king tonight, you're going to have to understand that the wilderness experience is required. And in the wilderness experience is where God sees you. God's watching you. 
I think about it as a place of separation. It's a place of preparation. It's a place of temptation and a place of testing. I had this thought about teaching and Brother, Brother Boone, Dr. Boone's wife is a teacher. And we probably have any, do we have any other educators here tonight that work as teachers? Have anybody else that are teachers here? Got one back here. You know what I learned? Now, I, ain't, I ain't very smart. I'll tell y'all, I am not, I am not very smart. But I did go to school. There was a point in time in my life where I did go to school. And you know what I learned in school? This is what I learned in school. I didn't learn much. Here's what I learned in school. When the teacher is silent and when the books are closed, that's when the test is taken. When the teacher's silent and the books are closed, that's when the test takes place. And can I say to you, church, there are going to be some times in your life spiritually where you don't understand why it seems like God's silent. You're going to open that precious Bible and it's going to look like black words on white pages and you ain't going to get nothing out of it. It's time to test it. It's time to test it. The wilderness experience that is required if you're going to be a soldier of the cross. So I want you to, I want you to think about this with me. I want you to think about this with me. They were faced with the wilderness. Don't get discouraged in that time. It's a time where God wants to test you. You know what? I'll say this before I move on. You want to know why? I believe many of us are failing the test because we ain't paying attention during class. Amen. Amen. The books are open. God's talking. The man of God stands and preaches week after week. We get complacent. We sit back here in the pew. We look through Facebook. Amen. Then the test comes. Then the test comes. We think to ourselves, why am I messing up? Why am I falling? Because we didn't pay attention during class. It's time of testing. But I'd say this to you. I'd say this to you. Not only were they faced with the wilderness, but these men were fit for war. Look at what the Bible says. Now the Gadites have separated themselves from David into the whole of the wilderness. Men of might and men of war fit for the battle. They were fit for battle. That word fit refers to a standard or suitable quality. These men were different. They carried an appearance that distinguished them from everybody else. Now think about Luke chapter number 9 and verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I'll follow you whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Here's what he says. He said unto uh, another, Follow me, but he said, Lord, suffer me first that I go bury, uh, go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. He said to another, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell which are at my house. Jesus said this, he said, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. God's looking for a soldier who will refuse to look back. And a soldier who is different.
Can I say to you, these men were fit for war. I tell you, not only is our failure in the wilderness hurting our call as a soldier, but our physique, our fitness for the Lord. Now, I enjoy, I enjoy uh, working out a little bit. Now, I'm not a big fella. I'm not a big fella. <clears throat> but I'm, and I'm not really strong. I'm strong as a brother Bradley. Man, hey, listen, listen, this is the most encouraging thing about this meeting is Bradley Boone drove three hours to hear me preach. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a ministry highlight. No, I love, I love, I love Brother Bradley. But we enjoy working out a little bit. And it helps your mind, you know, when you get out. I used to run a lot. And I ain't, I'm not a runner, but the more you run, the better you get, no matter how bad you are. The more you run, the better you get. But it, de it, it develops you over time. And being fit does not come overnight. And in order for you and I to be a soldier that is fit for battle, you're not going to be able to get up after living like the devil Monday through, Monday through Saturday and slide into church and raise your hand and open your Bible and read the text along with the pastor and say, yeah, that's a good, that's good preaching, preacher, and go home and then all of a sudden on Monday we're facing a battle. Now what do we do? I tell you what we do, we make a mess out of our life as a Christian is what we do. Because we're not fit. Because we've not, we've not spent the time that God has wanted for us to learn, for us to grow, for us to become and to develop. These men were faced with the wilderness. They were fit for war. But then I want you to understand something. They were familiar with their weapons. Look at what the Bible says. And they were men of war, uh, fit for the battle. The Bible says this. The Bible says that they could handle shield and butler they were familiar with their weapons psalms 91 he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust and his truth shall be thy shield and butler can i say to you the truth of the word of god be familiar with it be familiar with your weapon they say if you study how those shields were made they say that those shields were made of wood. And they would wrap those shields in sheepskin, I believe it was. They would wrap those shields in uh, uh, sheepskin. And most of the time they were about the height of the soldier. So they'd be approximately six foot. And uh, history tells us that uh, the Philistines learned that if they would hurl a dart that was soaked in some type of accelerant, that they could ignite those shields and it would completely incapacitate uh, the capability of that shield doing what it should do. But history says that they would take the same oil that they used in the temple, and as they would go to battle, they would anoint that shield with that oil, and they say, history says that when those, the, the enemy would hurl that fiery dart, that when it would make contact with that oil on that shield, you could hear it, and it put that fire out. There's some preaching there, and I can't get into all of it tonight. But let me tell you something. God has given you 
what you need uh, to quench every fiery dart that the enemy would send your direction uh, if you'll just look to him uh, if you'll put your trust in him uh, if you'll give him everything uh, God can use you as a soldier we see that they were familiar with their weapons faith learned will sustain you during that test Oh, yes. But then we see that they were founded in their witness. Look at what the Bible says. He said not only could they handle the shield and the buckler, but their faces were like the faces of lions. The Bible tells us that lions are a very distinguished animal in your Bible. They were known for their strength in Judges 14. They were known for their bravery in 2 Samuel. They were known for their fierceness in Job chapter number 10. Can I say to you, they were serious about the work that the king had for them to accomplish. Can I say to you tonight, church, we're living in a day that you better get founded in what you believe. You better get a foundation like you've never had before. Because I'm telling you, there is warfare coming. There is spiritual battles coming. There is things coming to the church and the child of God and the Christian that if you ain't founded in what God has established for us to be founded in and build your foundation where it needs to be built, you will not make it in the battle. I can promise you that tonight. I can promise you that. Oh, my friend, they were founded in their witness. They were serious about the work that the king had for them to accomplish. I say to you, it's about time that we get serious about the work of God. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, I'm preaching. Hey, I'm preaching. To, I ain't, I'm preaching to me. I don't know hardly anybody here. I know just a few of you. Barely. I'm preaching to me too tonight. Boy, we get slack, don't we? Boy, we, we, play, we start playing games so easily. Man, we get to a place spiritually in our lives if we're not careful that the work of God really don't mean as much to us as it should. I tell you, the familiarity of the ministry does that because we're human. But I'm telling you, it's a time, it's high time that we get more serious about the battle than we've ever been. They were founded in their witness. Then I'm going to be finished tonight. I want to give you this. These men were fast at their work. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says that they were as swift as the rose upon the mountains. I believe this will speak to us about their obedience. I begin to look at those rows, those small deer is what they were. And uh, if you read about those uh, those rows, what you'll find out is their speed is their greatest defense against the adversary. Their speed is their greatest defense against the adversary. And I say to you tonight, church, obedience is your greatest defense against all spiritual warfare. Obedience is our greatest defense when the king would give these men orders they responded in obedience we understand according to Ephesians chapter 6 that above all we should take the shield of faith all that armor that God gives us as a soldier of the king of the cross he said above all of that what I want you to do is I want you to take the shield of faith wherewith here it is you shall be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked you know what faith is faith is obedience 
Faith is obedience. You can't have faith without obedience. You can't have obedience without faith. Can I say to you, James 2.20, but wilt thou now know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Faith demands obedience, and obedience will always require faith. Hesitation to obey will lead to defeat, and hesitation to obey is a lack of faith. How quickly you respond in obedience to the king's command will determine your success in the battle. How quickly you respond to the king's request will determine the outcome of your battle. Can I say to you tonight, don't hesitate when the king calls. Can I say to you tonight, when God deals with you about something, I don't care what it is, whatever the king uh, uh, desires for you to do, carry it out uh, without hesitation. Uh, uh, do what God is calling you to do. And I'm telling you, that is your greatest defense in the battle. When you don't know what to do, do what he says. It'll work every time thought about this in 2 Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself, gets the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having, listen to this now, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. It's your greatest defense. You say, God's been dealing with me about this thing over here, buddy. You better get it right. You say, God, I believe it's, God, I, I really believe that God may be calling me to do this over here. Do it. I remember when I was dealing with the call to preach, I had, and if you give this advice, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not criticizing, but I had several pre uh, preachers say, run. Whatever you do, run from the call of God and if it's meant, you won't be able to get away from it. So I started doing that. I started doing that. And I was at Light on the Mountain Youth Camp. I was at Light on the Mountain Youth Camp and Brother, uh, I think it was maybe Dean's niece, I don't really remember who was up, I believe it was Brother Dean's niece. And I was dealing with the call to preach and the guy that I was with that I went up there with had a prayer ministry that he'd go and pray. And he said, David, I want you to go with me. I guess I was probably 16 at the time. He said, I want you to go with me, and I want you to help me pray. He said, that's a youth camp, and it's for you, but I'd like for you to come help me pray. I said, all right, well, I talked to him about that preacher. And he said, let's go talk to Brother McNeil. So we went over there and told him what God, I felt like God was dealing with me about. He looked at me, and here's what he said. He said, son, don't run what Jonah done. I thought, oh my, don't run. I understand, and I'm not, I'm not making light of that. That it's, it's, you know, it's comical, really, run. You know, if you get away from it, it ain't meant to be. And I understand the logic behind that. But what I'm telling you tonight is be obedient. You know, if God is dealing with you about something, you know, respond in obedience. That's the only way you're going to make it battle. So I would say to you that there 
speed was their greatest defense. That speaks to us of obedience. But then I would submit to you this. Their focus, their focus was a great defense against the enemy. Has anybody ever watched a deer? We was talking a little bit about deer hunting there at, there at Suffolk. Anybody ever watched a deer run? Raise your hand. You ever seen a deer run? You've seen a deer run. Have you ever seen a deer run looking back? They don't. When a deer engages in a defensive run, they can't turn their head back. They can't. There is such a focus that the enemy is wanting to destroy me that what's ahead of them is so important that they cannot break focus to ever look back. Can I say to you tonight, what is your focus like? Think about Hebrews 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does lead to beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He deals with our obedience before he ever tells us to run. Verse 1 deals with that obedience and it deals with that swiftness to obey as he likens us to one that would run a race. But then here's what he says secondly. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Can I say to you, your obedience, your swiftness to obedience, and your focus on Jesus is what's going to sustain you as a soldier of the king. These men knew, these Gadites in, in First Chronicles knew, that we've got to, we're going to, we're going to, number one, we're going to have to be obedient, men. We're going to have to be obedient to whatever the king says. But when he says it, we're going to have to set our sights on the prize and we're going to have to run until we achieve. Hallelujah. Oh, I'd say to you, I'd say to you, what's your focus like? You know where you're looking is where you're heading. I'd say this, does the king have your attention? Your focus on Jesus. Do you know that distraction is as fatal as defilement? Distraction is as fatal as defilement. You getting distracted and losing your focus can mess you up spiritually just as much as getting in a mess full of sin. Your focus is very important. You'll never eliminate the distractions, but you can control what has your focus. I would ask you this tonight. Do you want to be a soldier of the king? Do you want to be that mighty man for God. Boy, I do. Boy, I want to be a mighty man for God. There was a verse being written about my life and what I did for the Lord. I want it to sound a whole lot like 1 Corinthians 12 8. Man, he faced the wilderness. He got fit for war. He got familiar with his weapons. He was founded in his witness. 